Hello everyone, welcome to the summary of The Hug Heard Around the World, a 2018 podcast episode of Revisionist History, which is hosted by Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell is obviously the author, famous for books such as David and Goliath and Outliers. And Outliers particularly is famous for him highlighting the 10,000-hour rule, which though it was not an idea created by him, is most popularly attributed to him because of how it achieved widespread appeal after appearing in his book. His podcast, Revisionist History, talks about deals with themes and topics and incidents which happen in history, which have been perceived a certain way. And as the name suggests, Malcolm Gladwell attempts to revise them. A Hug Heard Around the World is based on a very particular incident in the life of the singer Sammy Davis Jr. And it has to be mentioned at the top that Sammy Davis Jr. is black. And that has a lot to do with what transpires in both in his life and our current episode. Sammy, da Sammy Davis Jr. was a very famous singer who lived, who was a peer of Frank Sinatra and in fact was a part of his group of singers and performers that referred to themselves as the Rat Pack. So he was very famous and one of the first scenes that are established uh, in the podcast is a scene in which uh, Richard Nixon, who, uh, who was speaking at a Republican National Convention, calls upon Sammy Davis Jr. and Sammy Davis Jr. comes and hugs him from behind, which can be seen in this very famous photograph of him hugging Nixon from behind and Nixon almost gushing like a child, as uh, Malcolm Gladwell mentions. So to put some context into why this was such a hug heard around the world, it's that Nixon was seen by many as being pro-segregationist and his, his strategy, which was known as the Southern strategy, was widely considered by many as something of a racist appeal to white Americans in the in the South of America to gain their votes. And he also, as Gladwell mentions, nominated two people to the Supreme Court who were such, who clearly were such segregationist, uh, segregationist thinkers that, and they were so deeply unqualified that the Senate wouldn't even confirm them. So, and this was barely a few years after Martin Luther King was assassinated and Nixon almost seemed as the figure that seemed to want to reverse everything. And black people at the time were not, let's say, the most fond of him. So this was seen as a moment of betrayal by the black community that, that Sammy Davis Jr. Was, was so close to Nixon and was supporting his election's cause. So this became a question of loyalty and Malcolm Gladwell talks and plays to us an excerpt from a Malcolm X speech in which he's talking about how there are two types of slaves. And then he uses the word Negro in this context. And I will just use it as the N-word for now. I, I will just use it as the N-word. He, he says there is the house N-word and there's the field N-word. So he says that there are two types of slaves. One belongs in the house and one belongs in the field. The slave that belongs to the field wants to rebel, you know, let's 
you know, let's run away, let's find a better life. But the slave that belongs in the house says, are you a fool? Where is their food? Like quite like this, because he eats the masters, the so-called masters food. Uh, are there better clothes? Because he gets to wear hand-me-downs from the master and he gets to live in the master's house. Where is there better life than this for me? So Malcolm X's speech wants to bring into focus a kind of disloyalty that he saw from certain factions of successful black people who he felt were turning their backs on their own kind for their personal benefit. And this is precisely the point that Malcolm Gladwell wants to revise because Sammy Davis Jr., he says, has been thought of in historical context as being that man who was disloyal to his own people. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about Sammy Davis Jr.'s life. He talks about how he grew up in the vaudeville circuit in the Jim Crow America, where he would play in white hotels on one side of the railway tracks and then go across the railway tracks and sleep in a black hotel. He barely had any childhood to speak of. And then he mentions an incident where when he was drafted into the army, Sammy Davis Jr. was pinned down by a few white soldiers and the word coon was painted on his head. And Sammy Davis Jr. spent a lot of time in the bathroom trying to scrub it off with blood running down his head and something he told himself as he talks about in his autobiography that I would never let anyone do that to me again. So this is the kind of context in which Sammy Davis Jr. grew up where there were not many black performers that had the level of stardom that we today associate with a lot of famous black performers, say Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. And it is about Dave Chappelle that Malcolm Gladwell talks about next. He says, if you listen to Chappelle, you immediately know that he's black because he quote unquote codes black. So he's not trying to hide the fact that he's black. But if you listen to Sammy Davis Jr. talking in one of his interviews, you would, you would be forgiven to think he is white because he talks a certain way. He is doing impressions of white actors who perform Shakespearean dramas and, and, and such. Then Malcolm Gladwell talks about Sammy Davis Jr.'s autobiography and the amazing blurbs he managed to get from Frank Sinatra and most importantly of all, Richard Nixon. And in that, Richard Nixon writes, it would not matter what color Sammy Davis Jr. is. With his intelligence, he would still be successful. Malcolm Gladwell pushes back against this and says, you know, that is interesting because that is something you would say of someone who does not come from a lack of privilege. That is like saying, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, it wouldn't matter if he was an orphan from the Himalayas, he would still be successful with his intelligence. So he talks about the relationship between Sammy Davis Jr. and Nixon as Sammy pretends, goes to Nixon pretending that he is not black and Nixon accepts him as not black. Their friendship is sort of a post-racial fantasy, Malcolm Gladwell puts it. As we come to the final act of the podcast, he talks about a, res a research done on how women are not being empowered enough in the workforce. If, there is, if the women are spread out, in, in a bad proportion. So if there were four men and there is only one woman, the women are still not able to have a voice in the workplace because they're just a token. And the token to be part of the in-group has to pander to the sentiment of the majority group and sometimes t 
turn on their own group and maybe take a joke or two about their own kind. So this creates a situation where the token has to give up a part of their identity to gain a seat at the table. So, but if women are not are not spread out in this way, and there are say three men and two women, then the token has more of a voice, which is what uh, Malcolm Gladwell says is happening today. Because no one would. He talks about an incident where Sammy Davis Jr. sits down for a celebrity roast, and all the taunts against him are about him being black. He worked all his life to be one amongst among the table, but then every roast against him is that he is black, he is this, uh, and it become they make it an inseparable part of his identity. And then he talks about how today no one could make a joke against Dave Chappelle because there are so many who are there to support him. So he talks about how Sammy Davis Jr. was only a token and a token succeeds at the cost of his own dignity. So Sammy Davis Jr. doing what he did might not have necessarily been just an act of selfishness, but a matter of circumstance because again, the cost at which a token succeeds is his own dignity. So that is a summary of Hug Heard Around the World by Malcolm Gladwell talking about Sammy Davis Jr. Hope you enjoy our discussion.